So today I'm going to sell you on thinking like an entrepreneur. This is Chris Hargraves and this is the Tips for Lawyers podcast episode number 32, which means you can find the show notes at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 32. And it also means that I have done 31 episodes before this, which uh, is longer than some podcasts go. So give myself a little pat on the back there. Now, I did want to mention before we get into it, that uh, I have really appreciated recently some of the reviews and some of the five-star ratings that have been coming into iTunes. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you're getting value out of them, uh, you can really help me out there by heading over to tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes. That will redirect you to the iTunes site where you can leave a five-star review, uh, make a nice comment of some kind. They give me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, and I do really appreciate them. So if you could do that for me, that would be great. Like I said, this is episode 32 and today I'm selling you on thinking like an entrepreneur, but we need to narrow down what we're talking about because we're not just talking about reasons to think like any old entrepreneur. We're looking at reasons to think like a successful entrepreneur. Obviously, there's a lot of people who describe themselves as entrepreneur, ranging from the six-year-old with a lemonade stand through to the 95-year-old who's just discovered Facebook now. I think we need to be a little bit clearer about what we're talking about. We are talking about people who are engaging in new activities, who are taking risks, who are building businesses, and who are prepared to devote the time, the energy, the consistency, and the passion towards achieving their goals. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about an entrepreneur. Now, of course, ordinarily that involves someone who's bootstrapping a business or someone who's trying to build something new, but that does not necessarily mean that's what you're going to be doing. In fact, most of you won't be doing that. Most of you will be continuing to work as employees in law firms. But there are some characteristics of entrepreneurs that you can bring to legal practice that I think are truly beneficial, and they are ones that are going to help you out in the long run as well as the short term As you look to build your career, as you look to uh, develop your own personality, your practice, your writing style, and think about how you actually want to be at the end of the marathon. And today I have five things in particular that I wanted to highlight in terms of how you should be thinking like an entrepreneur. And the first one is in relation to risk. Now, I have spoken about this before. I have talked about being comfortable with risk, and I've written an article on it that I'll link up in the show notes at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 32, and you can take a look at that if you want. But you need to be comfortable with taking risks. And it's an interesting dilemma because what happens is during law school and during our initial phases of study, we have our ability to see the benefits of taking risks drilled out of us because our job at the end of the day is to be risk averse. We inform our clients about what the risks of a particular cause of action are, and ultimately it is up to the clients, in particular if they're businessmen or women or persons, (laughs) we leave it up to them to determine whether the risks outweigh the benefits or not. As a general rule, we don't weigh into that sort of discussion. We leave it in the hands of the business people to make those decisions. But that might be the appropriate cause for legal advice, but what about the cause so far as your professional career is concerned? How comfortable are you with risk? Are you letting your attitude towards risk and advising your clients come through in your attitude towards building your own practice and building your own contacts and network and developing your own style? 
And I think the answer is yes, we are fundamentally risk averse. It's why we go back for further questions. It's why we don't want to take the risk of sending an email without 37 people checking it. It's why we have policies so that rather than bothering to develop culture, we can simply have some policies because then people don't need to bother thinking for themselves. It's why we focus on precedents and statutes and historical law to instruct our decision making. But what we're not doing is looking to the future and going, I am comfortable taking this risk with a view to the benefits that might be achieved. And that might be something as small as calling up someone you don't know very well, or it might be going up to the person at the networking function that you haven't met before and shaking their hand and saying hello. The risks, by and large, that we refuse to take are fundamentally small. I'm not talking about betting your house on a course that tells you how you're going to make a 1,000% profit on your next share investment. I'm talking about acceptable risks with materially greater potential benefits more often than not, the risks we're afraid to take are ones that involve embarrassment or ones that involve us not looking as clever or as professional as we hoped we might. And frankly, those risks are fairly pathetic if they are holding you back. Because if you look at entrepreneurs and you look at the ones that are successful, fundamentally, they all take risks. They all put something on the line, whether it's their reputation, their money, their personality. They throw something out there and they are at risk. And yes, sometimes it goes badly, but they're still comfortable with risk. And that's what you need to be if you are going to be comfortable thinking like an entrepreneur. You become adopted and a comfortable approach to risk. The next is time. Now, you cannot do everything that you might want to do in the time you have available. And fundamentally, what a good entrepreneur learns very early on is that they need to be able to say no to some things. Don't forget for everything that you say yes to, you're saying no to something else because you simply run out of time. And this is where we end up in the tyranny of the urgent. We end up dancing from urgent to urgent to urgent to urgent. We never get the important things done. And it's the important things that are going to make the difference between you and the person next to you. If you are focusing on the things that aren't necessarily urgent and making sure you get the important done before the urgent then that is going to make a dramatic difference. And in order to get there, you need to appreciate that you do not have time to do all the things that you might like to do. You need to cull. You need to disappear a few things out of your routine. You need to maximize the time you have available so that you are using it for the long-term benefit as well as the short-term benefit. So by all means, get the urgent things done. That needs to happen. You need to get them done. But because of that, they will always get done. Whereas the important things, if you leave them to last, will never get done because there is always another urgent thing to dance to in the overall scheme of things. So you see how entrepreneurs are adept at saying no. They are adept at focusing on the things that matter, at least so far as they're concerned. Sure, they might be wrong. Sure, they might not have any great prospects for necessarily determining what's important versus urgent, but they do their best to say no to the relevant things and yes to the appropriate things. The next thing we need to bring to the equation is a certain amount of energy. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk calls it hustle. It doesn't matter what you call it. You need to have energy and passion for what it is that you are seeking to achieve. So with an understanding that you are going to need to take risks and that you need to say yes to appropriate things and no to many, many more things, then once you have done that decision-making process, you need to be able to bring the energy and the hustle to it. And that involves reclaiming the passion in your career. And I know that's difficult. And I know that a lot of people aren't necessarily enjoying where they're currently at in their career. But if you adopt an entrepreneur's mindset, that won't necessarily hold you back. You will need to find the energy because you need to reclaim your purpose. Once you have a purpose, you'll bring the energy back to the equation because you understand the point of the whole thing. 
And I know this is sounding a little bit like a Matrix movie at this point, but your purpose is fundamentally incredibly important. If you don't know why you're there, what you're doing, or where you're headed, how can you possibly bring energy to anything? All you're doing is turning up to work every day and doing a list of tasks that are allocated to you by someone else where you don't understand how they fit into the equation, you don't understand what's going on, you don't understand why you're bothering to do it, and you don't understand what's next. If you can't answer those fundamental questions about why you became a lawyer in the first place and where it is you want to be in one or two or five or ten years' time, then you're going to have a huge amount of problem bringing energy to the equation. And this is where entrepreneurs really do well. They define what it is they're intending to do and what their purpose is. And sure, there might be a different purpose for each project, but it's the purpose that brings the passion in terms of the overall scheme that they are adopting. So when you look at enterprises, when you look at the successful solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, and you look at the ones that are unsuccessful, a huge differentiating factor between them, aside from occasionally a little bit of luck, is a huge amount of energy. It's a huge amount of hustle. It's a huge amount of dedication to the purpose that they have defined for themselves. So if you don't know what your purpose is, then you need to reclaim that. You need to figure out your purpose so that you can reclaim the energy for your career. The fourth thing you need to become comfortable with is failing. And this ties back into number one when I talked about risk, but in a sense failure is a different thing. Failure is when you have taken a risk and it has gone badly. How do you react to that? Do you simply pack it in? Do you say, I'm useless? Do you say, I can't do this anymore? Do you give up? Do you lose a certain amount of energy because you're not as good as you thought you were? Or do you go, that was a failure. I have learned from that experience. I know what I did wrong. I know what I can do better next time. I know how I can plan better. I know how I can react better. I know how I can hustle more. I know I didn't learn as much as I needed to learn. I now know more than I did last time. And the next time I might fail again, but I might do it in a more spectacular way. So, You need to become accustomed and comfortable with failure. It is going to happen. If you are going to take risks, you are going to fail from time to time. If you don't take risks, then you probably won't fail. But then you're not really achieving anything that important at all. So if you're not going to take risks, you're not going to put yourself out there, then sure, you're going to be able to toe the line and you're probably not going to experience many setbacks. But at the same time, you're not going to experience the extreme satisfaction that comes from taking the risk and pulling it off at the other end. Failure is a fundamental fact of legal practice, it's a fundamental fact of risk-taking, and it's a fundamental fact that every entrepreneur knows they are going to suffer setbacks. They might be big, they might be small, but how you react to them is ultimately the way that you determine whether it's been a worthwhile endeavour or not. The final thing for today that I wanted to touch on, and number five in the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast is that you are not Superman. You cannot do everything yourself. And this touches a little bit back to the time point number two, but in reality, it is to help you build an appreciation of team. Sure, there are times where you are going to have to do a lot of things by yourself, but fundamentally, you can't do it all forever. If you're going to grow anything, if you're going to do anything meaningful, if you're going to expand and scale your operations, your business, your endeavors, your enterprises, whatever you want to call them, then you need to have a team available. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to go out and hire a virtual assistant today or tomorrow, uh, or that you need to actually go outside what your firm is providing if you have available people in your firm. But what it does mean is that you need to develop a sense of trust 
and a sense of appreciation for the fact that there are other people in your team who might have better skills than you in a particular area, who might have uh, better dedication or time or, frankly, abilities or experience in a particular area, and that sometimes it's better for you to say no and delegate and trust that that person is going to do the job well. Now, you need to delegate properly, you need to give proper instructions, you need to make your expectations clear in terms of time and cost and delivery and exactly what the task is, but you also need to then let them do it. Because if you're asking someone to do something that they're better equipped to do than you, you need to also understand that they are going to do it better than you. And the more you interfere, firstly, you're wasting your own time. Secondly, you're wasting their time. And third, you're disrespecting the professionalism that they bring to the task. And that can go really from anywhere. That can go from people in the mailroom, uh, to people in the library, to people in accounts, to your secretary, to yourself, to other professional staff, and to your partners. Everyone has a role to play. And if you're going to say no to something on the basis that someone else is better equipped to do it, then you need to be able to accept that they are going to be better at doing that role given clear direction, but less interference. That is the way to delegate and that is the way to understand that you cannot do everything yourself. And this concept of getting sick of people not doing things as well or in the right way or perhaps half-heartedly, and I know that does happen, and we end up just taking things on ourselves because we don't want to go through the pain of having something not done properly. Now, there are two real issues there. The first is perhaps those people don't belong there if that's a consistent problem and perhaps they need to be gotten rid of. Now, that might not be your call, might be someone else's call, but uh, we do have a tendency to tolerate that kind of thing for far too long, frankly. Uh, But the other thing is sometimes you need to take a look at how you are giving instructions and making requests. What is your relationship like with that person? How much underlying information do you need to actually provide to them in circumstances where you want them to do a job. Sometimes it will be more, sometimes it will be less. The answer in terms of delegation is to give them enough, not too much, not too little, just enough, and then let them do the task properly and expect that they will do it properly and then finalize it at your end. It doesn't really matter what the task is. Those general principles apply across the board. So those are the five reasons and five strategies I think lawyers need to adopt from how entrepreneurs run their business, and in particular successful entrepreneurs. It is being comfortable with risk. It is accepting that you don't have the time to do everything you might want to do and you need to get in the habit of saying no to things. It is bringing the energy and the hustle to those things that you wanted to do, and it is also responding to failure appropriately and realizing that failure is a natural inevitability of taking risk. And the final thing is that you need to appreciate proper delegation and understand that you are not Superman, you cannot do everything perfectly, you don't have all the skills. You have some skills and other people have others. Utilize that, leverage that, embrace their capacity to bring to the table something that you cannot because that is how you are going to multiply the impact you have on the world by using other people's skills, not in a bad way, but in a productive way. This has been Tips for Lawyers, episode number 32. This is Chris Hargraves, and I'll see you next time.